And welcome back to the ebook revolution for 2019. Who would have thunk that? We're nearly at uh, 2020 and um, flying cars a la the Jetsons or perhaps even Blade Runner for those geeks out there who are sci-fi geeks like myself. You'd uh, be aware that 2019 is where the events that take place in the original Blade Runner take place. So um, where are the replicants? Where are they? Not too close, I hope. Well, welcome back, 2019, the ebook revolution, the podcast about independent writing and publishing. I hope you've enjoyed the first episode of our special series at the Abud Writers and Readers Festival in Bali, which I was um, very honoured to attend back in October last year. And we've got another one coming up for you today with the writer Tiffany Zhao. Great interview, so stick around. So if you've been making your goals for 2019, that's what we should be doing. I've been trying to do it, um, set up the entire year, and that's what's fabulous about January. You can clear the decks and have a clear look on what you want to achieve for the following 12 months. And um, if you've got a bunch of writing projects on, if you're doing this entrepreneur thing, it can sometimes be a bit overwhelming. <laughs> I know it is for, for me. I've actually gone gone back to analog i've become quite quite enamored with the um dot journal just a very simple way to organize your thought this episode of the ebook revolution episode 24 is sponsored by book planner pro are you trying to publish a book but getting confused by all the details wouldn't it be great to have step-by-step guidance about what to do and when book planner pro is the answer. It's like having a publishing pro organising your book's publication. Right there, right for you. Book Planner Pro. Check it out on our show notes for this episode, episode 24 of the Ebook Revolution podcast, on our special website for this podcast, ebookrevolution.com, which is uh, sponsored by Madhouse Media. That's Book Planner Pro. Well, as I said earlier on in the podcast, we're going back to Bali. Um, I was lucky enough to be invited to the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival uh, back in October last year, and um, it was just a, a fantastic experience. I got to talk to a lot of very knowledgeable and gracious writers and authors who shared their time with me um, about the art and craft of writing, so I could share these interviews with you and um, in the last episode we spoke to Julia Prendergast and today we're going to talk to Tiffany Zhao who was the author of novels Under Your Wings, The Odd Fits and The More Known World. Her translations from Indonesia to English include novels by Dia Lestari and Laksmi Pomanjak and poetry by Norman Erickson Pasarabu. She received her PhD in English from UC Berkeley and she now lives in Sydney and I spoke to her in Bali. 
Tiffany South, thanks for joining me on the ebook Revolution podcast. And congratulations on Under Your Wings. Oh, thank you. Does it get any easier writing novels after your first one? It does, actually. Um, and I think partly it's because with the first novel, you don't know if you're just writing in vain. Um, I remember my first novel took, I think, about eight years to write. And not just writing continuously, but just because you take it out, you look at it, you work on it, you get really excited, and then you kind of think, well, what's the point? This might not ever get published, and you put it back in. Um, yeah, so I think um, you also just have the time and space to write more inefficiently, because what's the rush? You know, you don't have, you know, with fiction, it's not, um, you you know, you need a full manuscript before the publisher will, will you know, publish it, or, yeah. you know, um, or before an agent will look at it. So, um, there is something to that uncertainty, I think, that, um, I don't know, it can make it difficult to write the first novel. Um, then by, I found by my second and third novel, uh, The More Known World was the second novel, which is the sequel to The Oddbits, and then Under uh -huh. Your Wings is a standalone yeah. novel. I think I had much more of a pattern, like I knew how to work efficiently. Um, I'd done yeah. it before, and so I sort of knew maybe what to avoid, or I had a better sense of my voice or um, I knew that um, for example I'm the kind of person who has to map out everything and then write um, and I uh -huh. do really badly if I don't know the end of yeah. what I'm writing so yeah so you're a plotter not a pantser yes definitely a plotter <laughs> yes no seat no flying by the seat of my pants I'm rather anal retentive when it comes to that actually did you intend the uh, outfits to become a series is there going to be more of them um, there's going to be one more, so yeah. it'll become a trilogy. Yeah. Um, I did, actually, I had written it with a sequel in mind, but also because it's the first book and because I was uncertain whether yeah. I would even find a publisher at all, it's quite quirky, yeah. it's between genres. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so as a result, I knew that it had to be, to read, you know, sort of satisfyingly as standalone. Um, but I wanted to have room for more growth. Um, funnily enough, though, a lot of people were like, yeah, you really wrote it you know, as a cliffhanger. And I was like, oh, really? I, I thought I wrapped it up rather well. And it turns <laughs> out that um, I guess people wanted to know more about the more known world, um, yeah. which is the fantastical realm in it than I had anticipated. Well, they obviously love that world that you've created. Yeah, no, no, it's um, been really gratifying, actually. Yeah. What's your secret to world creation? Like, how, how did you conjure that up? Usually I tend to start with one point, like one or two um, I guess characteristics that I, I think would be intriguing about mm. a world, and then I sort of build around that. Um, yeah. So for example, um, in the more known world, um, the territory of Cambodia Abscond is um, soaked in blood, and mm. no one knows why. So it was just interesting to think about um, the redness of it, what kind yeah. of fauna um, would be there, what kind of mosquitoes, yeah, yeah. mosquito-based life, life forms thrive there, um, what kind of um, fauna, uh, sorry, flora would be there, um, yeah. yeah, and then even the history about, about it, um, you know, when did it turn red, if it, you know, um, so that was really fun, so yeah, I tend to start with the point and then build around that. I read a review for The More Known World, um, which said something, if you love words, you'll love this, and you do love words, and you weave them expertly. When did your love of words begin? I know you're a translator and an yeah. expert translator as well. So. Oh, I think this is a, 
it's almost cliche, right? Writers always say, oh yeah, I've always loved to read, always loved to write. Um, yeah, when I was little, I used to always make, um, you know, these really silly little stories and illustrate them and bind them with stapler. Um, a bit like the Brontes, but yeah. obviously I'm not a Bronte. <laughs> not really going to make that comparison. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it's just something that I've always known growing up. And then um, when I went to university, or when I did my undergraduate, um, it was, I, I was planning to double major in English literature and entomology. And then I realized that I'd gone for some reason to a college which didn't have entomology. I, for some reason, had not done any research and didn't know that you couldn't just major in anything you wanted at any university. So then I just ended up just doing English literature. What was your path to becoming a novelist? Can you, can you remember a moment when you decided this was the path you wanted to take? Ah, yes. Um, for a long time, my main objective um, was to become uh, an academic. And I was, but not one with a continuing position. I, I joke that I only became an, I only really succeeded as a novelist when I failed at an, as, as an academic. Um, and that, that just happened to be actually coincidence. Um, you know, when, when I decided to leave academia, um, sorry, you know, teaching at the university research um, in literature at the university, it was more because of the working conditions. Um, and I'd been writing a novel, you know, all that time, on and off, but I wouldn't have called myself a novelist. Yeah. Right? Um, I just thought, oh, you know, if it takes off, fine. If I can find a publisher, fine. But it was always sort of on the side. Um, but then when um, I, you know, um, decided to leave academia, it was really funny because um, that was when my agent um, said, oh, we actually have interest in your manuscript. And I'd sort of given up hope. Actually, that's the reason why I began writing Under Your Wings, because she yeah. said, she said, very nicely, maybe you should continue writing things, um, which I felt was, you know, the polite agent's way of saying, you know, <laughs> we might not sell it. But she said, no, 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 don't worry, we'll sell it, but um, we'll find a publisher. But, you know, um, in the meantime, you should just keep writing, really, really. So, um, so that came as a surprise, and that was around the time when I was also scrambling and applying for other jobs. Mm -hmm. um, to do before, you know, after I left academia, like editing jobs and things like that. I've asked this uh, question of um, most writers I've interviewed because it fascinates me. Do you have a writing ritual? No. I am the mother of two small children and I write <laughs> whenever I have time yeah. in any location, <laughs> under any conditions. My desk is very unsexy for a writer. It is in a closet and it faces a wall. Um, yeah, and then when um, the kids are in the house and my spouse is, has agreed to take care of them while I can write, I just duck out to the nearest coffee shop and write there. Huh. Yeah, sorry, no writing ritual. Oh, that's fine. Uh, some of the answers I've had so far, I won't say who, but um, one writer has to have a black pen. Oh, that's interesting. Has yeah. to be black. And the other, I spoke to this afternoon, cannot start work unless his desk is absolutely tidy and everything's just so... I want that ritual. <laughs> then my desk would be tidy. <laughs> As a young unpublished writer, what was, the, what was the best advice you received? It would... Uh, see, I'm not sure if I'm just romanticising or imagining the best advice I received, but... Um, I learned quite a lot from a writing professor I had as an undergraduate in my first year. And it was just um, a class on writing essays, you know, not writing fiction. But he said, um, he encouraged us to make drafts, and he said, 
um, see, I, I imagine, <laughs> I remember him saying, um, whatever you write doesn't go to waste. And I think that's really important, that even yeah. if you're writing what you think at the time is absolute crap. Keep it. If you're looking at it, yeah, just, yeah. and keep writing because there's something to the process. And it's like exercising. Um, I don't think writers give us, we don't give ourselves enough license in the same way an athlete does. Like if an athlete is practicing, exactly. yeah. they're practicing, yeah. right? But we think that everything we write, you know, it has to be really good. And if it's not, then somehow it's trash. But I think it's also good. It's somehow contributed to the end product. Um, well, there's, there's a lot of muscle memory in writing and intellectual mm -hmm. memory as well. It's yeah. good to practice both. Yeah, that's right. I think where a lot of new and young writers fall over as they start self-editing even in the first draft and then just keep cycling yeah, out yeah. the last two paragraphs and trying to make them perfect yeah I, yeah you'll never get anywhere yeah i write longhand and then i type it out um, ah, that's yeah. why because i yeah. tend to self-edit so you know by the end of a, a day if i just typed it i would just yeah. have nothing because <laughs> i just have deleted it all i'm the same i start playing with fonts and <laughs> yeah you're like, maybe the right font will inspire. Much prefer longhand first. Then the act of putting it in the computer is where you can do a little bit of yeah, sub editing. Yeah, that's right, yeah. that's right, yeah. You think, that's thing. not bad. Yeah. Well, that's rubbish, but I'll keep it. More, in my case, more rubbish. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm sure that's not the case. Ah, oh, thank you. What advice would you give to new writers struggling to get their voices heard? Oh, it's really hard. Um, I would just say... Write and keep trying to get your voice heard because you love writing and because you love the idea of getting your voice heard, um, even even if it may never. I mean, I, that's really hard to hear, but yeah. sometimes on the other end now, like I look at, you know, it seems almost arbitrary sometimes. Not completely arbitrary, but I know that there's a lot of stuff that gets published that probably might not be as good as stuff that doesn't get published, that might not be as... There's stuff that gets published that might not be as good as stuff that doesn't get published. Um, I think that does happen. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't think that finding a publisher means necessarily that you're better than other people who have written and haven't found a publisher. Yeah. Um, so I try and be, you know, like I, there but for fortune, right? Um, I think I was just very fortunate. Um, so I don't know. I mean... <laughs> Don't tie your self-worth up in writing. <laughs> Just write because you love it. Really hard advice to, to take, um, you know, yeah. I think you have to love it to sit down and plant yourself in that lonely place. Yeah. And complete something. Yeah, yeah. And complete something that's, like, really hard, yeah. And that's what you've done. And thank you for the words that you've completed and shared with us. It's a good place to wrap it up. So, Tiffany Sal. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. No, oh, thank you, Jeff. And thank you, Tiffany. It was um, a great honour to speak to Tiffany over at the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival in 2018. And uh, I'll be back for 2019, coming up in October, which isn't that far away, really. Um, if you haven't been to the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival, um, I highly recommend it to you in Bali, Indonesia. It is um, one of the world's great writers' festivals and it's just getting bigger and bigger and just set in such a beautiful part of the world in Bali. If you've never been to Bali, um, Bali is uh, quite close to us Australians and uh, 
many of us go there and we go there because the the people are beautiful and friendly and the country is beautiful and friendly and the food is delicious <laughs> try to get over there one time i i recommend it let's that's it for episode 24 of the ebook revolution uh, and and our second special episode from the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival. We've got a few more coming up um, over the next couple of months, and um, I hope you en- enjoy the series. You can pop back to the website, www.ebookrevolutionpodcast. Check out um, some of our previous interviews from the Ubud Writers and Readers Festival, and of course, some of the other great stuff we have there for you. Um, if you've not heard the podcast before, we're all about promoting independent writing and publishing and helping writers like yourself um, become entrepreneurs, which means treating writing like a business, getting into the uh, business of marketing, which will help you sell more books. On the ebook Revolution podcast, that's it for me. I hope you've enjoyed uh, episode 24 of the ebook Revolution with Tiffany Zhao, um, just pop over to the website www.ebookrevolutionpodcast.com and uh, if you're listening to this currently, the show notes will be easy to find. If you've come later, just search Tiffany Zhao or episode 24 to um, get your show notes and all information about Tiffany's books, which I highly recommend to you, particularly The Odd Fits great fantasy. That's it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.